Hello, this is the hardcore legend Mick Foley, and if you are interested in listening to idiots, you came to the right place. Have a nice day. I'm gonna die surrounded by the biggest idiots in the galaxy. You're a slacker. You stupid idiot! Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. Oh, idiot! Game over, man! Hey, hey, careful Whoa. with that, Ronnie Millsap. We're downrange. What's the matter with you? I feel like a Kentucky Fried Idiot. Oh, I'll take it from here, nurse. They're putting the band back together. Forget it. No way. We're on a mission from God. Gentlemen, Ciccolini here may talk like an idiot and look like an idiot, but don't let that fool you. He really is an idiot. I was going to spend the night assembling the boys you, but this is holding my interest. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, friends and fiends, and welcome to Free Range Idiocy, the podcast about everything, but mostly just the stuff we like. It's been said that a poem is never quite finished, it's just resting. The same is true with movies, except that it's more like a movie is never finished. The director is just waiting for some more money and the execs to wise up to his vision. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, but this week gives us some news on a couple of directors taking another swing at old movies. So we're going to hash all that out in episode 40, a little something we're going to call Director's Cuts Like a Knife. (laughs) My name is Todd, and with me as always is the man who is broadcasting out of the back of a windowless cargo van wired on coffee and seltzer in the suburbs of Chicago. He is the Lance Storm to my Chris Jericho. Jim Cornette only cussed us out once or twice and had such high hopes for us i give you the man they called him how are you my brother how's it going you know it's going quite well on this fine sunday evening that we're recording on now very nice before we uh we get too far into the show i'm gonna ask you this can you name the tag team uh i'm probably gonna get this wrong because i believe this is the ecw name for a group lance storm was in but with jericho uh i'm going to say the impact players so sorry, so sorry. Uh, we would have accepted the Thrill Seekers or Sudden Impact. Oh, I was close. <laughs> you, you did get it. You did get a word. Uh, I was so close. This was actually a, a tag team they had in Smoky Mountain Wrestling for a hot minute, and I guess they f- they had a brief run against the Heavenly Bodies, ah. uh, and they. They also competed as a team in Calgary and in Japan, and that was, I guess, sometimes they also used Sudden Impact, but the Thrill Seekers was the name of the tag team. Yeah, so no, you, you went deep, my friend, on that one. Every so often, I like to. I don't like want to serve up the softballs all the time. I like to go with a deep cut and just see, just see the outer, outer edges of your wrestling knowledge. Thank you. Well, I have learned something today. Well, I'm glad. I mean, we've started out with gaining knowledge. I mean, isn't that what this is all about? That's right. Uh, you know, we're, we're all here to learn a little something-something. Uh, okay, if you say so. I, I, Once again, I'm proud to say or I haven't not. learned a fracking thing. <laughs> so... <laughs> So we're going to be talking about some uh, some movies and some fun stuff, but we, right before we get to that, uh, I believe we have a couple of items here in the Week in Geek, which are uh, pseudo-movie-related. Yes. Uh, th- th- this past week has been a, a busy one uh, for those who are jonesing for some Mandalorian news. Uh, oh. we, we got news of the season premiere uh, coming October 30th which will be uh, much, much looked forward to. And quite frankly, from our perspective, uh, 
give us some 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 good content to chew on and and to discuss. This is the way. Mm, o- over yes. here at, at at the range that we call free and idiocy. Um, yes. But uh, interestingly enough, uh, Entertainment Weekly had a bit of a a deep dive on this. Um, nothing terribly you know deep revealed no no spoilers or anything crazy like that just just i think a little bit of promotion if you will for what is to come but uh but what what i found really interesting was um you know we we've talked on past shows about you know Rosario Dawson uh you know rumored to be coming in as as Ahsoka Tano uh mm. to Tamara Morrison who played Jango Fett in the prequels coming back as some version of a clone trooper or possibly the iconic Boba Fett uh, Katie Sackoff uh, coming in as a live action version of Bo Katan. Now that and one's a that one's a real like real live rumor. I think Rosario I think so. is all but confirmed. And the other dude, it seems like that's if not confirmed, it feels like it's like definitely over fifty percent confirmed ish. Yeah. Like it's yeah. Whereas Katie Sackhoff is kind of just like that's that's my like come on man just throw me, <laughs> <laughs> throw me a bone and then if not, um, if not season two give me season three come on that's right give me a little something something uh, and then we have Michael Bain and Timothy Oliphant uh, who are coming in as unknown characters but but here here's the quote that I found really funny from Gina Carano uh, you know saying you know some of these rumors are true some are not who plays Mercenary Cardoon in the show. The article says this, Carano notes, the heightened secrecy included actors getting scripts only for their own episodes and being ushered to sets in black cloaks and hoods like incognito mm-hmm. Sith Lords. <laughs> yeah. I love well, it's, it. I it's love so it. hard to like keep any of this. I mean, it used to be back in the day you could get away with uh, the biggest thing that studios had to worry about was people stealing or photocopying scripts. So then they would give the infamous red scripts yes because you yes. can't you can't photocopy a red page yeah so that's how they would get around it and and there's even i mean hell, hell you go back to empire strikes back nobody knew the whole you know luke i am your father sorry spoilers except for uh except for mark hamill yeah. like even david prouse thought he was talking he was saying completely different lines yeah so it's basically george lucas and 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 mark hamill who knew that so i mean there's been all of these times where they use these little tricks to try and make sure that nobody knows what's going on but now where i mean everybody's got a freaking you know high def video camera in their pocket 24 mm-hmm. 7 and and people have hair triggers on those. Like I I am mm. not one of those people who can get my phone out and like start videoing really quick. Yeah, I'll miss more stuff than I'll ever do. But I mean, some people like have it at the ready at any given moment. They're like the quick draw McGraw of video cameras, the the Doc Holiday, if you will. Yes, of, yes. You know, to call back to our and another thing from last episode. I'm your Huckleberry. Oh, I, I haven't. I've I've been holding off on watching uh, Tombstone again. I just I wanted to give it a little time to breathe. I didn't want to watch it because it was either going to be I I I'd stop the movie and then rewatched it immediately, or I need to give it a little breathing time so that when I come back to it, it's like ah yes, it's even better than I thought. You mm-hmm. know, like almost like letting a wine or a or a fine whiskey breathe for a little while and all of a sudden you you get more more flavor and different uh different scents coming out of it different bouquet if you will well i didn't think you had it in you yes yes so uh along with uh you know some some of those points there were some some photos from the show um one that has the mandalorian kind of center stage with uh 
with the pistol whipped out, and uh, we have Cara Dune and uh, Grief Karga flanking him, looking very serious. So, so a little <laughs> little uh, look there, and then there's another uh, th- there's another photo of the Mandalorian sitting on one of those speeder bikes um, from uh, I forget what episode it was, but when they were on Tatooine. And yeah. uh, and what's funny in that one is you you see the child um, basically sitting in the satchel in the back <laughs> of, of the bike, and it's like I I bet this season's going to be what sort of creative ways is he going to be carrying the child around? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I mean, this is like a space baby Bjorn thing that's going to ha- be happening at some point. But 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 one thing, and 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 I'm I'm directing this to to you a little bit since you've named your fantasy team after a qu- famous quote from this man, and and have, yes, made, I have made him the logo of your team. Grief Karga looking sharply dressed in these photos, my friend. He he's, he looks like he's uh, meaning some business here. So well, he he always did. I mean, you know, Grief kind of had that had a bit of swagger about him. He was a he was a dapper gentleman. You know, a, a bounty hunter with some style. Yes, absolutely. You know? So uh, speaking of which, actually, uh, you know, they all hate you, the fantasy team. Yeah. Holding its own right now against uh, last year's <laughs> champion, I will have you know. I Very actually nice. have a, I actually have a chance to to pull this thing out tomorrow night. You gonna uh, have an upset to be talking about in the next episode? I, I don't know. Maybe that's I a new segment no we got to introduce here. Let's take a pulse on the fantasy. If we're gonna do how many days with me, you know, without incident, I want to have a, a readout on how your team is doing, Mister. Oh, speaking of which, you're into the fifties now, aren't you? I am, baby. Feeling all good. Right. Firing on all cylinders. <laughs> That's excellent. Now, one thing I do want to—I just want to share this because this hasn't <laughs> happened to me in a long time. Yeah. So, no, there's been no teaser trailer, no nothing for the Mandalorian season two, and right. I've been waiting for it. They keep—they're like, "Oh, we released a graphic." I'm like, "Listen, Spanky, we've all been sitting at home. Nobody can work <laughs> anywhere. Where's the trailer? I'm—I don't want a freaking graphic. Okay, what is this? 1922? <laughs> like, no." I want I want moving pictures with sound, okay? It's yes. called a video. We've had them for a while. So someone posted, uh, you know, oh, Mandalorian teaser trailer. I'm like, oh, oh it might have no. happened. So I get I start watching it, and damn, it, I was like, this is looking good. This yeah. is looking good. All of a sudden, never going to give you up. I'm like, oh. son of a mother. Oh, you got rickrolled, huh? But man, they put it. They they were good. Like the way that they cut this, they managed to find some footage that you you didn't identify immediately. They didn't go to yeah. like they they used some like some some stuff that was definitely like at the end of scenes and things like that to create this thing and some overlay yeah. and 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 they waited until like a minute ten into the teaser, like right when you think it's just about to end, because, I mean, they, you're thinking a teaser, then yeah. they hit you with the Rick Astley. I was like, oh. son of a... I can't even be mad at you, because, damn it, that was that was Well elegant. played. Well it played. Was, oh, yeah. I can't I can't be mad. I can't be mad. I you will say, me. you know, one thing I, <clears throat> I did kind of bump into over the weekend on YouTube was I did get some suggestions for um, basically, and, and this isn't anything new, you know, because a couple of these were like, one of them was from last year, and another one I watched was from 2017. But people taking clips from the original trilogy and basically creating what they call modern takes on these trailers for the movies. Yeah. Yep. And I was really impressed with what they did, and 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 it is kind of funny how as I'm watching this, and you know, I of course have context for what happens in the movie and what scenes that I'm seeing. But it is funny how there is somewhat of a formula that plays out. 
than these trailers. Oh, totally. Like, totally. Like, like the Return of the Jedi one, the, the, the one that I so really enjoyed was at the very end of the trailer, in, in what I would kind of use a wrestling term here and call it the hope spot, at the very end is the, the, the scene of Leia dressed as the bounty hunter approaching the frozen Han Solo as if to tease, you know, yeah. Here, here's here's Han Solo as he was after Empire, and something's about to happen. I mean, it was just like that sort of thing you see in the Marvel trailers, you see mm-hmm. in the 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 the, the, the post Queel treasures uh, tra- treasures trailers. See, I I got too smart for my own self. That's um, all right. But you know, it's just funny to to kind of see how yeah, there is kind of a, a formula to how these things work. And <laughs> well, my goodness, did, is- did they do a nice job? There's a there was a the one of the more recent Fat Man Beyonds with Kevin Smith and Mark Bernard and they played a trailer that was like the the trailer formula so it was a yeah. video and it, it it actually didn't have like I don't think it had any graphics or any any actual video now the thing is my iPad has actually stopped update like I have a I have like an iPad one or something <laughs> like early gen iPad that I bought for like when I bought it five or six years ago, it was old. And so it's it won't update YouTube anymore. So I can't uh. watch videos while I'm working out. So now I'm just listening to podcasts using it. So I was listening to the the Fat Man Beyond podcast. I wasn't watching it. So I didn't see the trailer, but I heard them talking about it, which I'm like, this is, it's like I'm going back to the days of radio where they're describing <laughs> things to me. It's like, the Hindenburg is coming across the field now. That's right. Like, That's right. It's like, well, okay. So I'll, I'll see if I can find a link to that and post it in the show notes because it did actually sound funny, but I can't tell if it was funny or if it was just Kevin Smith being stoned. Yeah. So yeah. it, you know, 50-50 shot. But yes, um, good news on the man on Mando. J- just a couple other things to point out, uh, or, or just call out from from the uh, from the article. Um, Favreau, John Favreau, and uh, Dave Filoni uh, both quoted with, um, you know, just just a couple quotes about how the season's going to be. Uh, new season about introducing a larger story in the world. That's something I would expect them to do. Kind of grow this this world that they've built over the course of the first season. Uh, stories become less isolated, yet each episode has its own flavor. And uh, Favreau says, hopefully we're bringing a lot more scope to the show. Filoni says, everything gets bigger, the stakes get higher, but also the personal story between the child and the Mandalorian develops in a way I think people will enjoy. Nice. What else did they have to say? There was one other thing I wanted to call out. Yeah, it just says, as Mando and the child continue their quest, expect the bounty hunter to face a series of obstacles that will increasingly challenge his paternity, his paternal loyalty to his ward. We start very directly with the first season. Uh, what is, there, there was a question. Oh, here, here we go. I think this is felonious. On a moment to moment, Bamus, he's discovering, he being the Mandalorian, discovering the, that question, what do you want? Mm. This, is not, this isn't clear to him or to me, adds Filoni. We think we know how the characters are going to react, and it can be surprising how they do react. So anyways, just, just some little nuggets in there, um, just about, you know, kind of where they're going. You know, obviously the scope of the show is going to start growing. There's going to be um, new characters introduced, as we've talked about, and new, you know, new new story to cover and and... You know, we're not really entirely sure. As we left season one, he takes off with the child, and where is he going? You know, he he's yeah. going to start seeking out uh, who, new who worlds this, and new civilizations to, to boldly, boldly go, go where no bounty hunter has gone before, where no one has da, gone da, before. Da, Number one, da, 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 da. Hey, JL. Uh, I was going. To, I was going. OG Star Trek. I should have gone with it. That's yeah. Yeah, that, that's a little where a little more where I'm at, but 
You're yeah, old me school. too. You're old school. Ah, uh, well. So, anyways, October 30th. Looking forward to it. Uh, yeah, when that trailer comes out, we'll probably do a whole episode on the trailer. <laughs> they're not going to do a trailer. They're not doing a trailer. I'm telling you right now because yeah. they've got everyone right in the palm of their freaking hands. I mean, we're we're just a like a a, a geek fiefdom of Veruca Salts right now. Like, I mm-hmm. want it now. You know, that's that's where we're at. And they're like, ha, we're not going to give it to you. Oh, can I throw one you more thing? You maybe get in? it like you'll maybe get it a day early. We'll give you it on the 29th and you'll love it. Ugh. Yeah. We're such we're such like junkies. It really is sad. Like, hey, got any more of that Star Wars? <laughs> well, you know, part of it too is I mean, we and we've talked about this uh in in episodes is you know, we're we're getting to that point where I think a lot of the networks are are running out of new content. Oh yeah. You know yeah, what I mean? There's only so, so much you can do. So the yeah, this like your description is apropos because like this is going to be new content and we're going to just, you know, gobble it up. <laughs> so Oh it's like, yeah. Oh my gosh. But well, the thing but, is like the the one thing that you can still do right now is you could do like animation stuff, but that has a much longer production timeline. So yeah. even I mean even stuff that is or was in production that's, you know, animated that you can piece together and you don't have to have everybody on a set shooting. You still, I mean, good lord, the soap operas are like using mannequins to make out with. I saw some video of that. I'm like, are you serious? So they don't have two people in the same shot? I'm like, can't we? But uh, just weird. Just weird. Real quick, last point before we get to the other point in Week and Geek. Yes. Um, A quote from uh, Giancarlo Esposito. Uh, His character, Gideon, uh, will be going toe to toe with Mando. Uh, mm-hmm. It's an iconic battle. I, I want to uh, disarm him mentally as well. Uh, it, basically, this paragraph's talking about how Gideon will serve as a source of temptation uh, in some ways for, for Mando and the child and his mission. That, uh, you know, I'm a villain, but I'm trying to harness some energy and some powers for a path that could be best for all. You get to see him be somewhat diplomatic and more of a manipulator. So we get to see a little bit more i mean we we, we kind of just scratched the surface with gideon at the end of season one we we really oh, yeah. don't know a lot about him um other than he wields the dark saber and that's interesting <laughs> so uh yeah <laughs> and no deadly for some was and now that i've <laughs> n- now that i've given myself a refresher like yeah that's that's kind of a big effing deal yeah <laughs> so anyway so just again october 30th looking forward to it and uh yeah, and then you know we we don't have a trailer for uh, for Mando, but we do have a trailer for Dune. Oh, good lord! You want to jump on that one, my friend? Oh my gosh! See, now I've never. The weird thing is, like I've I've had the book on my to read list for a while. I've mm-hmm. just never quite. I I know that it's like a tome. Like I just and I know it's I can get it in a manageable size. But I just picture it as like this gigantic leather bound book that's gonna weigh eighty pounds, like thump down on the on the counter in front of me and dust is gonna fly out and stuff. Has a little lock on the side. Believe me, I've I've worked this up in my mind. But I've never read the book and I never saw the 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 David Lynch movie. So I kind of went into this this trailer cold like okay i really don't i i kind of a piece together a couple details but it still doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me because i don't have the context of the whole thing i watch this trailer and i'm like that is just so epic and awesome and Mm. cool and i want to see this and i i want to read the book first so i'm gonna have to jump on that yeah because it's gonna take me a while but man, the, it just looks so huge and epic. Yeah, I, I was just blown away, yeah. absolutely blown away. Yeah, 
Yeah. And I love I love the fact that they used a Pink Floyd song because then apparently that was supposed to be like Pink Floyd was supposed to do the soundtrack for one of the there was like so many different versions of this movie that were supposed to get made that never got made. Mm. And apparently Pink Floyd was supposed to do a soundtrack for one of those, which would have been freaking amazing just to have Pink yeah. Floyd do a soundtrack for anything. Yep. And yep. uh and to, for them to use one of Pink Floyd's songs was a little bit of a wink and a nod in that direction, which I thought was kind of cool from my a movie geek you know standpoint. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. What did you I, think of it? I had seen um, so I, I have seen the David Lynch movie, um, which you know was I think early '80s, I believe. Mm. I was not a fan. It was I, I I really struggled to get through it the first time I saw it. It, it. it was not interesting to me. It was the furthest thing from a Star Wars like story, you know, to me. And I and I, I don't know if if it had to do with with Lynch's style, if it had to do with the way the story was being told. But it was just, you know, I, I I've heard from friends of mine who are are sci fi nuts that the the book is fantastic. Um, mm-hmm. I need to go read it myself as well. Uh, but you know, to give you a flavor for how that movie was, I believe the first five minutes of the movie was nothing but exposition and not even <laughs> exposition with action exposition with just text and words where I'm just like, really, this is how you're going to set the, you, you know, do your world building is, is, you know, just words. Come on now. Well, um, now, now keep in mind, we both are ranked like star Wars high and they, they run about a minute of exposition at you with just text scrolling up but yeah when you get like the five minute territory it's it's a bit much it's all the setup of the families and the political you know kind of setup and what's going on i mean it's just it's insane it's it's almost like literally just in the same way that you would set up the the board risk for playing a game and you watch someone put all the pieces out that's pretty much what that was you know what i mean and and they'd already lost me at that point I, i think sting was in this movie i think he was a you know of course, big at the time with the police, and uh, and and for him to kind of be in the movie was, uh, I think, a big deal. But I don't really recall that he played anyone of major consequence. But yeah, um, he was he was, was kind of down the down the list on this. Although, yeah, Patrick Stewart's in this. Dean Stockwell, Max von Sydow, uh, no Sean Young. I mean, there. I mean, granted, I don't know how Im- how huge any of these people were in the actual movie but man there's some uh there's some names in here wow so picard was in it i know jl was in that, that way back a, in the shut day shut up wesley yes we haven't um, used that in a while shut up wesley oh you gotta bring that back so so that that's that was the original kind of first cut movie that that was done on dune when i saw this trailer this the, the only element that i could equate from the the original movie to this trailer was that amazing sequence at the end with with I and I forget what it's called the the worm creature. Yeah, I've got no freaking clue. I remember those from the first movie. I don't, you know, I remember there were families. I remember there's a struggle for power. I don't really remember all the specifics around any of that. Um, mm-hmm. But I feel like this just this trailer did more to pique my interest than the five minutes of exposition that happens in the beginning of the original. So um, sounds about right. Yeah. So uh, I'm, I'm pretty stoked for this as well. Um, Like you, I think it is a fantastic idea to get, you know, 
you know, consuming the book first to, to just kind of get a sense of story and what the original author's intent was uh, before going into the movie. And Well, looks like we got ourselves a reader. You know, I kind of, you know, much like we talked about last episode about The Martian, I, I definitely going through that experience of reading The Martian and then seeing the movie, I really enjoyed yeah. more than watching a movie and then trying to go back and read the book. Um, yeah, definitely. Although so, that was actually a really fairly tight adaptation. Mm-hmm. I, I felt oh, absolutely, yeah. Which was which was nice, and yeah. but it was also a story that kind of lent itself to an adaptation in a in a fairly linear way as well. Yeah. yeah. So this has an expected uh, December eighteenth release date. Now, who knows what's going to happen between now and then? Coming to a streaming if, platform near you. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I mean, th- 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 although they're going to have to try and get this into theaters somehow, because I'm guessing this this movie cost them a couple bucks. Well, and I'm sure some of it is just better viewed in that sort of environment as well. Oh, totally. Yeah. I mean, a movie like this, you want to see it on a on a big wide screen, no doubt. I'm not seeing what the what the estimated budget was, but I'm gonna. I mean, it looks like they spent a couple bucks. Definitely Bill more and than Ted. Like you can get away with watching that. You know. On the yeah. bedroom TV, uh, yeah. Dune probably need to be in a theater. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. Yeah. Well, that, so my now, friend, is the week in geek. Yes. Well, thank you, sir, for for digging so deep and finding us some stuff to talk about here. Now, the topic we're going to deal with uh, for this episode. Literally, once again, we're we're getting really good at this uh, this thing of like three four hours before we're supposed to record and being like, hey, we're, t- we're tempting fate at this point. Oh yeah, it's gonna. F- I mean, I I would say we're gonna fall on our ass eventually, but y- there's a whole lot of people out there who are listening like that happened a long time ago, right around episode three actually, yeah. and you've been falling on your ass ever since. Yeah, and you know what? That's okay, cause it's in the name. So uh, we we were supposed to do another uh, episode, and uh, we had a guest who was going to be with us, who uh, then could not be with us. So we were like, "Oh, hey, we've got to change topics. What are we going to talk about?" And we came up with this one. And actually, the more we, the more I researched, and the more we talked about it, the more I started to like it. Although I could totally be talking myself into this, so we'll see how it turns this, out. I mean, this actually kind of started out as a weekend geek sort of thing. Yes, and then it just grew from there. So uh-huh. people are going to say, you totally just bloated that out to fit. And yes, we might have. Uh, but <laughs> let, we're going to give it Let it not be said that Uncle Todd doesn't pad the numbers at times. Oh, no. Oh, yeah, I'm not above that. <laughs> not above that whatsoever. Oh, so yes. we have a couple of movies that are that are coming out uh, that are getting kind of a, a recut, re-release director's edition because of an anniversary that's coming up. The, the anniversary isn't only pseudo important i guess because it gives them a good excuse to do this so the two movies in question rocky 4 which is coming up on its 35th anniversary is getting a director's cut by sly stallone and uh the godfather part 3 which is coming up on its 30th anniversary is getting the the recut treatment from uh well recut and restore treatment from francis ford coppola mm-hmm. so those two are coming up and then we're going to get a little bit into uh the 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 snyder cut of justice league which is kind of a different animal, but it also kind of ties into this. So yeah. uh, let's let's start off with Rocky Four because, damn it, why not? Mm-hmm. Uh, it is the senior member of the 
the class of movies that we're talking about. So Rocky IV uh, came out, uh, uh, well, 35 years ago, whenever that was, 1985. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, you all remember this one. This is where Rocky ended the Cold War. So we, you know. Single-handedly. Single-handedly. I mean, it, it, the, the, it's, ama- it's amazing that the Berlin Wall didn't come down like a week after this opened. But it took a few more years, but finally it did happen. And, you know, we all know it was because of Rocky. Uh, Just by his sheer force of will beating Drago and running up like a a 50,000-foot mountain by himself. Yeah, in in like full winter boots and a a, a knit hat or something. It was by far the most ridiculous training scenes of any Rocky movie. I, if, if you By recall, I, I shared a story. I don't remember which episode uh, I shared this in, but I do remember I shared this in an episode. I watched the Rocky movies in succession over the course of the Christmas holidays with my younger son. And it really, that was a very interesting exercise because when you get to four, you really get to see how light on depth that... <laughs> Oh yeah, I mean, there's not much story there. It's the most straightforward. The most depth you get into is 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 Apollo Creed's need to get back into the ring, to get back Mm. on the scene. That's the most interesting thing, and then you get to the obvious rematch, which again, at the end of the movie, I'm thinking to myself, what was really proven here? I mean, his friend's still gone. (laughs) Oh yeah, it's like yeah, it's not like winning the match is gonna you know somehow magically make him reappear. Um, You know, it was just kind of you know it really felt like a workout video in a lot of ways because it was a lot of (laughs) training. Rocky Robics. It was Rocky Robic. That's a you should patent that trademark. Oh, oh, Sly's already got that. Are you kidding me? No. Oh yeah, we're gonna shake it up. Oh my gosh. Uh, But. Yeah, four was, but I remember going to the movie theater with 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 my dad to see it when it when it came out, and I remember being like super into it, and it just oh yeah, you know, it's a fun flick. It really is. It I is. mean, because of especially, oh no, that was uh, oh no, Rocky three was the one where he's driving around the Ferrari and he shifts approximately five thousand times. No, that's four. Th- that's four. Was it four? Yeah, four. Three is with Clubber Lang. And there was no Ferrari. There was just a oh, motorcycle. Oh, that's right. Yes, that's right. Okay. And it's also the weird thing of you start getting into the smarter Rocky. Like yes. apparently, even though even though he's getting hit in the head approximately eight hundred times every single fight because he has no other move other than just let people hit him and wear themselves out, he he somehow manages to gain intelligence as he's losing brain cells. Yeah. He gains intelligence for a couple movies and then he becomes a dummy again, which is just it's this weird progression of Rocky throughout. Like you get smart Rocky, you get dumb Rocky. Well, and 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 just a personal story on on my experience watching the Rocky movies the first Rocky movie I saw was three so I Mm. saw three and then I saw four and then I went back and saw one and two and just like you said when I went to see one I'm looking at this character like who is this guy oh yeah yeah he's so just he's a very different person I mean he's the the Rocky of of Rocky one and two like you said was that bum in the neighborhood who you know he's not a very intelligent guy you know fighting is all he knows um, he just has kind of a quirky personality, quirky sense of humor. And then you get to three and four and he becomes this polished human being. <laughs> you know, yeah. It's like it's like it's like Stallone took over, you know. 
Well, Rocky got sent to finishing school and yeah. and something yeah. and all, I don't know. Now the funny thing is, so uh, and I didn't I didn't actually I knew this somewhere along the way, but it didn't actually register with me. So Rocky. Rocky One and Rocky Five were directed by John Avelson, mm. who uh, obviously the guy who directed the first one. And he, and he, the funny part is that when you, if you watch any of the behind the scenes stuff, like he didn't really have any interest in making a boxing movie. He had no interest in watching boxing. And he, I guess him and someone else who was watching the who's helping him make the movie, they were watching boxing and trying to. And he's telling the story. He's like, yeah, so I got a, a glass of white wine and I'm watching boxing. I'm like, that's just so. <laughs> not how you do it. Um, and so he's, he says, we're watching boxing. And he says, the only way I could kind of get into it was turning the sound on the TV all the way down and turning on classical music. Yeah. And something about that mixture of the classical music with the fight, then all of a sudden it started making sense. It became a, dr- it became a dramatic thing for me. And it's sort of that's what made it click for him. Yeah. So he directed the first and the fifth one, which is bizarre because the first one, of course, is the greatest Rocky that that was made and the fifth is i think most people would agree we'd all like to kind of forget five ever happened you know <laughs> like yeah. people would be actually happier if they're like hey instead of a director's cut of four can you just actually erase five from our memories <laughs> and we can <laughs> we can all kind of forget it happened um bill would simmons would possible? say rocky five never happened yes i was going to bring that up and uh and then rocky two through four were all directed by stallone mm-hmm and of course Stallone wrote all of them. Yeah. So it's it is still kind of weird that Rocky has that arc of like he gets kind of smarter in 3 and 4 and then all of a sudden he's, you know, it it's just even though he's the same guy writing and the same guy, you know, same guy directing those middle 3, it's just weird that that happens. Yeah. But so apparently uh what he's doing, what Stallone is doing is he is going back and he's bringing in some footage and uh, some of the stuff that he's posted on his Instagram is uh, kind of adding some more depth to the the Apollo Drago fight, which I think was would be a good idea. I would be happier if there was a little bit more kind of depth to the build up to the fight. I like yeah. the idea, like you were saying, like that whole that whole story of like Apollo needs to be in the spotlight. He needs to get back in there and show that he's still somebody. Yeah. And I kind of wish there was a little bit more to that. Mm-hmm. However, th- now the thing that's going to be interesting with this is there's you only have the footage that was shot. It's not like you're going to ask Carl Weathers to come, hey, Carl, can you come in and do some reshoots? Like, have you seen me lately? Walk in and be <laughs> I mean, like, they all hate you. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I, I look pretty good for my age, and you know I can pull off brief carga. I'm not... I'm not putting on boxing trunks. Like, yeah. we don't need to see me with my shirt off. I'm just going to say that. Yeah. And, and, and Sly, we don't need to see you without your shirt on either. <laughs> I mean, n- no one needs that. Rocky Six was quite enough. We saw that. We're like, ah. Uh, I mean, we know you're on, like, enough horse steroids to, like, you know. <laughs> To, to like work on the cast of 300 but i mean oh. good lord couldn't couldn't rocky have fought in a tank top or something <laughs> i mean sheesh even like the belly shirt from like rocky rocky 3 would have been a better call oh, although then man. you have you have the rocky gut underneath it that would have been interesting that would have been ooh that never mind where did i get going on this i don't um, know i'm i you're, you're oh, just oh, running so and i'm just sitting back watching Reshoots, so they're not doing any reshoots on this. Yes. So you're you're only working with the footage you have. So there's only so much you can do. I guess one of the things that they did take out, which I'm kind of glad, and I guess some people are kind of pissed with this. I don't know why. They he took out the robot. Yeah, I I don't I don't mind that so much. Me neither. It it, it felt 
like even as a kid watching it, I'm just like, what is this? You know, it's like it was like it kind of takes you out of the movie a little bit. <laughs> oh, it's like, yeah, totally. You have this great interaction between or, or actually it hadn't happened yet. But but you have this build up to, you know, Apollo talking to Rocky about going back in the ring. And and it's just like there's this complete sidebar of like Polly's birthday and this robot. And I'm just like, what the heck is going yeah. on? Yeah. Oh, it was it was bizarre. It Absolutely was bizarre. Uh, so the, he's going back, and it it looks like he's adding in some footage from the the Apollo Drago fight, and it looks like he's adding some footage into the final Rocky Drago fight. Mm. I don't know. Maybe there's another. Maybe he's adding a yet another training sequence. The thing that was that was my uh, joke was going to be: Is he going to add like I, you you have in our show notes here? I see uh, first cut was an hour longer, but the ninety one yes. minute runtime makes it the shortest Rocky movie in the series. So yeah, if he's adding more footage, is this more training? <laughs> I don't know. See Apollo I mean, train for the fight. <laughs> what what else do you do? Like Rocky does lunar training. I mean, what is? I mean, he he runs you know the the bearing straight from Russia to Alaska and back. I don't know. I mean, I, I don't I, know. I get what Stallone was trying to go for, but I I wonder if this is where the movie becomes dated because it, you know in this movie w- w- when Apollo dies. Rocky mm. essentially abdicates as the the world heavyweight champion in order yeah. to fight Drago in an unsanctioned match in Russia. So mm-hmm. he is essentially shedding everything that makes him who he is to go fight this man who has just killed his friend. Okay. Mm-hmm. I get it. The problem is it's all predicated on the Cold War, <laughs> which is like no longer around for us and it's like you know, I feel like some of the villainous or the villainy that has been injected into the characters who are from Russia just doesn't hold water now. You know, it feels well, very Well, it's a period empty. piece. You know what I mean? And now it's now it's a period piece. It's, it is. it's a it is. it's like watching an old World War II movie. I mean, you know that the Nazis are bad cuz Nazis are bad. You, right. you know that in in this context like, ooh, uh, you know, the the USSR is bad because, you know, you know, but, we're but in America agree, and they're not, you But know? wouldn't you agree that taking some of that away though reveals how little there is? Oh, totally. You totally. know what I mean? Like, like that's where yeah. I, that, that's where I'm going. Is like when when I watched it with my son, and I and um, you know, there there's there's clearly like a, a radar I have when it comes to watching movies and and story. You know, as we've talked about endlessly on on episodes of the show about how story plays a big role for you and I, and and watching it, I'm just like, you know, is there anything more? You know, like like Rocky's character, other than shedding that that status that he had to to fight this guy. What does his character really go through other than just physically building himself up to fight this monster? You yeah. Know? I well, mean, this is how this is how you get Predator. Yeah. Because someone jokingly was like, well, what's Rocky going to do next? He's going to have to fight an alien. Someone wrote <laughs> someone kind of started working on the script and they're like, hey, you know what? We can actually do a movie on this and let's give it to Arnold Schwarzenegger. And, you know, that's how you wind up with freaking Predator because someone's just like after he just beat Drago. He just beat like the perfect human being. Now what? <laughs> and, and and you know who else was in Predator? They all hate you. <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> that's right. And that that like that uh, the high the, not the high five, but like the 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 what do you call that when you like you do a you slap and five and you and they're each they're each like quivering and like the the biceps like the roid seps are just like showing off. <laughs> What's the matter? The CIA got you pushing too many pencils. <laughs> I don't know. I, th- I think I think you just coined the phrase the the roidceps. <laughs> I th- we'll have to we'll have to I'll have to see if I can find a a, a clip of that because that's oh that is gosh. just again it's one of those like uh, it's almost like the handshake of you know 
of Doom from the you know the, the Mega Powers. It's the same sort of thing. Yes. Like, oh yeah. And yeah. then just holding it there, I'm like, what what's going on right now? I'm yeah. feeling very uncomfortable. <laughs> oh, and, and 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 he had quite quite the exit in the movie too, my friend in Predator. Oh yeah, I he, mean he he got his butt handed to him. <laughs> <laughs> that whole movie was just and and then of course uh Bill Duke was in that. Yes. Ah, uh, BSG you. my friend right there. I see you. There we go. Oh man, he was just he was he was kind of creepy in that movie but it so worked. Yes. And then the uh and then the other guy who who basically just took off his vest and went to fight the alien with a knife. Yeah, that went well. And Jesse Ventura, who oh yeah, that was the first time I had seen a, a character in in a, a movie like that uh, wielding a a helicopter gun. <laughs> yeah, that was that, that was in his. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna ride Arnie's coattails as far as I possibly can <laughs> territory. And actually, didn't didn't Jesse manage to become a governor before Arnold did? I believe so, yeah. Isn't that a weird turn of events? Like, uh, finally, you know, Arnold's like, well, I got to become a governor now because, you know, this chucklehead was on my coattails all these years, and here he becomes a governor. I'm going to become a governor, <laughs> and I'm going to I'm gonna become a governor of a bigger state. I can't even do an Arnold Schwarzenegger accent. I'm not even going to try. But, uh, you know, he had to get – I mean, he's like, I was I was a governor of California. You were just the governor there you go. of Minnesota. There you go. You know. I don't. That was and that was that was even weird right there. I I, I think I just hurt my jaw doing that. Hey, do do you think they'll add in like another five ten minutes of living in America? Oh, dude, I would take a I'll take a twenty minute cut of that. <laughs> oh. James Brown getting down with his bad self. Well, the thing is, like that song is actually a it's it's like an eight or nine minute song. Oh, which is okay. fairly typical for James Brown songs. Like there was always like a part one, part two, and there was always longer cuts of the songs. Mm. But the funny part is in that song, there's a it, it, there's like kind of a breakdown kind of segment in the middle, and he's like trash talking Eddie Murphy in oh, that song oh, because he, which isn't unusual too because I think in a, in some of his other I forget uh, what was it a uh, get up off of that th- get up off of that thing he was trash talking like a. Uh, Ohio players or somebody and he's you know he's talking about you know watch this and I was just like all and then but in that in that song this was after Eddie Murphy was doing James Brown imitations on Saturday Night Live and then I think he did his uh, I think it was in uh, on Raw where he talked about you know he did the whole like James Brown lyrics and stuff and Mm -hmm. then James Brown was like it was like a it was like a diss track he came back at him he's like Eddie Murphy eat your heart out (laughs) I'm like What's going on here? Oh my! Oh gosh. no! If I if I could get a ten minute version of Living in America, I'll be a happy camper. I mean, and why not? Why not? You know, you got the footage. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah. So and actually, Living in America, James Brown's first hit in eleven years at the time, and then it was also his last number one hit. Yeah. Uh, which was, uh, you know, hey, if you're gonna go out, you know, that that is a great tune, absolutely great tune. Love it, love it. It's cheesy and it's goofy, but man goes hard it does it It does which also leads to a great weird al parody living with a hernia yes which was a fantastic parody oh my gosh james brown was probably pissed but i mean still it was fantastic (laughs) yeah so uh now the big question oh so and actually another thing that uh i didn't i just found this out in a little bit of research here it doesn't really pertain to (laughs) <laughs> to what we're talking about, but apparently Carl Weathers and Dolph Lundgren did not get along with ah. each other 
during the shooting of this movie, and I guess uh, Dolph threw him into the corner in the boxing scene at one point, and Carl did not appreciate that, and like actually left the movie and had to be really? talked back in. It was like a four-day stop in work while they were trying to talk Carl Weathers into coming back on the movie. Oh, boy. Yeah, little so, little uh, testosterone being thrown around. Just a little. I mean, All I'm right. guessing there there might have been some injections that were causing some of that, uh, you know, higher tempers. I'm just guessing because everybody in that movie is so ripped. I mean, good lord, even Polly looks like he's been working. <laughs> so I mean, Stallone was like handing out roids like they were candy oh, at, at Halloween. I mean, good. I mean, it's just like everybody's jacked in that movie. It's yeah. ridiculous. Hey man, I mean, he's he's training in Siberia. Anyone would get jacked in those conditions, my friend. Uh, maybe, I guess. I mean, I, I just know. love the running in boots. Yes, I've been yeah. in boots. I've tried to run in boots. It's not comfortable. <laughs> mm. Even in his special rocky Russian boots. Oh no, my it's, gosh, he's he's got magic boots. He does, Lieutenant Diane. You've got magic boots. To go with your magic legs. So, uh, all right. So, Rocky Four, 35th anniversary director's cut. Here's the question. Are you buying or are you selling? Uh, gosh. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm a sucker for Rocky. I'll, I'll buy. I, I mean, it's it's a weak buy, but I'll buy. I mean, I you know, this... It's strange for me to say this because when I first saw Rocky IV as a as a teenager, I I really there were just certain movies from that time period in the eighties that I just loved and watched and watched and watched. I mean, Ghostbusters, Rocky IV, Back to the Future, Porkies. what? Porkies. That's your list. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I actually heard. I was actually talking to someone this week, and they made a Porky's reference. I'm like, it's been so long since I've even thought about that as a movie. Like, my gosh, where did that come from? Yeah, yeah. So I, you know, th- th- so this for me was like I, at the time, I I thought it was a great movie, and and I really enjoyed it, and just it hasn't aged well for me over time. So that's why I'm mm. a little bit bearish on it. But um, you know, I'm I'm a sucker for Rocky story. I'm a sucker for seeing new footage and. You know, I'm I'm not someone who's against you know the directors going back on these sort of milestone anniversaries and providing fans with a little something different. You know, it, is is it a cheap play to get some money? Sure, why not? But oh, definitely. Um, but uh, you know, it's always interesting to see what could have been and 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 what could have been put in, um, what got cut, uh, and so yeah, I'm I I'll I'll go a week by on this one. How about you? I am strong like bull. I am I am buying on this. I I might even dip into my kid's college fund to buy some extra stuff. As soon as I, you heard that the robot was being cut out, you were all over this, weren't you? Oh, it'd be like if you told me that I could I could actually go out and buy a cut of Star Wars without Jar Jar Banks in it. I'm I'll give that I'll give that prequel trilogy or, another try now. Or without talk of a trade embargo or trade blockade. No, you know what? I'll I'll even take the trade embargo as long as I have to deal with Jar Jar's dumbass. I'm, I'm <laughs> <laughs> give me one or the other. Either either give me a better story than trade embargoes oh, with man. Jar Jar, or just you know like have Jar Jar show up and Misa, and then just like someone take a blaster and blow his head off, you and know, then we just this can only mean one thing: invasion. Yeah, <laughs> I, just love that. I love that one. 
Oh, so stupid. Jamming can only mean one thing. Invasion. Couldn't be that you had maybe some problems with your technology. It just means invasion. So you know. Yeah. Well, and then you go to Spaceballs and it's like, jam. <laughs> I hate raspberry jam. Anyways. <laughs> Um, but All no, right, I'm so you're you're a strong yeah. buy. I'm a weak buy on Rocky Four. Yes. All right. All, right. All right. So that brings us to the next topic, which is Michael. the Godfather Part Three, or how it's going to be known now Sonny. as the Godfather Coda, the death of Michael Corleone, which is a much cooler name, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. And actually, it makes a lot of sense to not call this Part Three because it is such a like. I think even Coppola at this point knows, like, yeah, I can't even try to pretend that this is on any kind of equal footing with the other two. Yeah. Even with even with what he's trying to do now and trying to, you know, trying to perk it up a little bit, <laughs> it's it's never going to be there. Yeah. Because uh, again, we're this is the 30th anniversary of this movie coming out, so you're not getting any reshoots. You're not adding a whole bunch of stuff in. You're 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 taking what you have and what the cuts, you know, that you had from the the edits, and you're throwing stuff together and rearranging some things yep. although in this one apparently they're doing uh they're doing uh, some restored footage they're also restoring sound hmm. so apparently those things are going to be uh, of higher quality so that'll be nice uh, but apparently Coppola said that he uh, he's basically been able to create a new beginning and a new ending he's also rearranged some of the scenes shots and music cues uh, and it, I don't know. I don't know how much of a difference this is going to make. All I know is that there's not much room to go down on this. You can really only go up because to me, yeah. like this movie was just. Uh, I, I first watched this. Uh, I want to say almost 15 years ago. Me and my wife sat down and we actually watched all three Godfather movies back to back to back. Really? And you watch one and two, and it's like, oh, amazing. Then you mm-hmm. hit you hit part three, and it's like the hell just happened like was Copeland involved it's, with this one it's it's like rocky four like like there there's definitely a a shift in how that story feels oh no i'd say this is like rocky five <laughs> <laughs> it was that much of a downgrade i was like huh? what's yeah. happening what happened and and a lot of that for me was the performance of Sofia Coppola, and uh, and Andy Garcia. I don't think uh, Andy Garcia was not as bad as Sofia Coppola, but definitely did not. It, w- it was not as good as Andy Garcia became as an actor. Yeah. I, it was not one of his better performances. Yeah. Um, and and the part of that too all comes down to uh, apparently, so Coppola they Paramount had approached him about doing a sequel constantly they wanted a third they wanted another godfather movie because why not it's like printing money at that point mm-hmm. you know people mm-hmm. are you know godfather one and two are considered two of you know two great movies with a lot of people even saying two was better than one which i'm not one of those people i, I still think one is better than two but they're still both amazingly good movies yeah um so uh, Coppola, however, got himself into a bit of trouble with his uh, production company and was in the hole for a couple of uh, movies that didn't work out well. One of which was uh, Tucker, A Man in His Dream. You remember that movie? I do, yeah. that Wasn't that one that he did with Lucas, I thought? I think so. George Lucas was tied to that movie. I remember that. Yeah, and so that movie didn't do well. And another movie before that didn't do well. So in exchange for basically... Paramount would take the debt. I think they just overall took the debt off of off his hands for those if he would do Godfather Three. Mm. 
And he originally wanted $6 million for his uh, writing, directing, producing credits, and six months for work on the script. Paramount basically said, nah, you're getting $1 million and you got six weeks. Oh, <laughs> and Coppola was hard enough up for the money that he was like, all righty. I need money. Um, wow. And yeah. So that also money is the reason we don't have Tom Hagen in the movie because Robert Duvall wanted more money than what Paramount was willing to pay. I need money. And, you know, so it, it, you, you, you miss that character, which could have been a it definitely would have added some depth to the movie. And even Al Pacino had, had threatened to not be in the movie because he wanted more money. Mm. And, and Coppola was like, all right, well, we're going to now open the movie with, the, with Michael's death. We're going to have him, we're going to be at Michael's funeral. It's going to be the first scene of the movie. And Al Pacino's like, all right, fine, I'll do it. <laughs> make money, money, make money, money, money. One of those weird Hollywood stories. You're like, really? That happened? Okay. So... Uh, just to give you some context here, too, uh, Godfather 1 and 2 had a combined 22 Oscar nominations mm-hmm. and, it, and won nine between the two of them. Godfather 3 has a 69% fresh rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Wow. So, yeah, it's, it's not just It got seven made, nominations. Which, oh, my gosh, is... Uh, and actually, I guess it was nominated for Best Picture? It was nominated. And, and 1 and 2 weren't somehow? That- no, I th- seriously, I thought two was, or maybe actually, I, did did Godfather three win the win best picture? Yeah, Godfather three won best picture, best director. Sorry, oh my Godfather gosh. two won best picture, best director, best supporting actor in Robert De Niro, best adapted screenplay. Uh, yeah, they they won. Uh, let me see, one, two, three, four, five. Yeah, they won six, seven, nine, ten. Yeah, they won six out of 11 nominations for Godfather 2. I'm sorry. That's a miscarriage of justice. <laughs> or that's... or that's. It, you it know, at least got Best Picture. It deserved that. Really? I mean, Was there... Did they not make any other movies that year? For Godfather 2? Oh no! I thought you meant I thought you meant Godfather three. No, 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 no. Sorry, all all I everything I just said was about Godfather two. That it was nominated for eleven, eleven nominations, six wins. Godfather three was nominated for seven. Yeah, and then Godfather one, and it actually did win Best Picture. Yeah, also won Best Picture. Um, So I I kind of felt that oh this is interesting for Godfather one. The nomination, it had a nomination for Best Original Dramatic Score, and it got revoked. I don't know what that means. <laughs> yeah, because uh, because the the composer ended up using some music, some theme or part of the music was from another score. And I think, if I'm remembering oh. right, it was even... It was even a part that didn't end up in a final score, but because it was repurposed from something else, mm-hmm. you can't do that. It has to be a, a completely original. Oh, interesting. Okay, but uh, but I think this one will get your ire. Um, the Godfather only won three out of the seven. First of all, it only got a, a nominated for one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Uh, it, I mean, if you drop the one that was revoked, it 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 had eight nominations, won three awards. Best picture was one of them. Best actor for Marlon Brando, who apparently mm-hmm. refused the award. Yes, that was uh, didn't he? Or did he send someone else to accept it? Or was that that might have been the year he did that, yeah. And then for best adapted screenplay. Um, so I, I think it's criminal from that perspective that that movie didn't earn more. Um, two earned 
much more than one, uh, which I think is deservedly so. And then three was simply nominated. And what I was originally going to say was that that to me feels like the problem with the award system is you have a sequel like that that comes down the pipeline and you almost wonder, was it just nominated because it was the Godfather? Mm. You know what I mean? Like looking back, everyone universally looks at three as a problem version of 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 that that franchise it it was not up to the same bar as one and two no and yet here it is chewing up you know eight nominations oh it's like some kid getting into yale because daddy and granddaddy went there or something that's it's the same sort of thing it's a legacy kind of pick you know uh yeah Uh, so i mean three for me was not definitely not especially when viewed in the same maybe if i'd watched it without the context immediately after one and two, but I just can't shake that experience now. Like George Hamilton them. was was basically taking over like he, he didn't take over for Robert uh, Duvall's role, but he was his character was essentially what Tom Hagen was. Yeah. Yeah. And he was useless in that movie. I and the thing is I be, I don't even I don't even remember his role that well. I mean, again, I, I have not watched this movie. I've only seen this movie once, yeah. and I feel like that it's that same sort of thing. Like, hey, I watched Godfather Part Three once. Yeah, I can say I saw it. Yep, and that's about it. I, I might give you know, this new version uh, a try because, I don't know though. It's it's uh, Sofia Coppola is such a drag on that movie that unless you CGI in some some other actress. Um, that I don't know how well that how much that is going to change that problem. Yeah, and and, and I think that, you know the other thing the movie. I mean, I don't know if we want to go too far down a path of of analyzing the movie greatly, but I, I think the other problem that the movie has is it it gets lost under the weight of this story of how Michael is again trying to go legit. He's yeah. trying to do it through some deal with the Vatican and that's kind of tied into some actual, you know, um, what's the word I'm looking for? You know, actual event, actual thing that happened with the Vatican where there was some, Mm -hmm. you know, some, some issue with money and, and there was a, a member of it that, that, you know, died and that. So, so there, I think they were trying to weave, I think Coppola was trying to weave all that stuff to get like weave together a real incident into you know, kind of the Godfather universe in a way and have Corleone's attempt at going legit be tied into that. And it just seemed like it was too much. Yeah. You know? No, I, I, I agree. Yeah. The thing that all, you know, I, I'll just say for, for me at least, and, and I, I'm curious what you think, the thing for me with one and two, what made them so good, I mean, there, there, there was a lot there, but it was the dynamic that was always being presented between Vito and Michael. And mm. once you got done with two, where it essentially you've come full circle with Vito's story, you you see how Vito came and and rose to came to America, rose to the to, to the position he did as Godfather. Godfather one, you saw him in that position of power, slowly, you know, degrade physically and and lose his way, you know, as far as as you know, age kind of taking its toll on him, as well as you know, <laughs> being almost murdered. Um, that will slow you down. That will slow you down. But how Michael's rise happens and then how Michael completely loses himself in two to the yeah. point of killing a family member. Um, mm. You know, that in and of itself is a complete story of, of the father and the son. You know what I mean? The father's rise, the son's rise, the father's fall and the son's fall. Three 
when you don't have Vito in there at all, and it's just about Michael, I think changing the title Dakota makes sense because it, it, you're calling it what it is. This is kind of a yeah. a wrap up for this character. Yeah, you know what I mean. And and I think yeah. to have called it part three, like you said, was a misnomer because this wasn't truly a part three of of the Godfather was Vito Corleone. There was no more story to tell with him. Well, no, because I mean, then Michael becomes the Godfather. Like the Godfather is is a title, sure, and. And 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 Michael became just as much the Godfather as his father had. Yes, really. I mean, he 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 was he was the same. You know, he was very. He ended up being very much his father's son in many ways, except for the fact that his father seemed to do what he did and rose to power while maintaining his family. Michael completely imploded his family because he wanted to hold on to the power. True. Yeah. And 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 that's where I feel the lack of veto in three and in and the sole focus on Michael. It's not that Michael's a weak character. Michael is a very, very deep character. But I think whatever take Coppola was going for. And, and so I guess in a way I would be curious as well to see the changes he makes. Does it does it then lend itself to a different feel to the story? And does it make the story better? I mm. don't know. Yeah, I think a lot of the a lot of the problems that I had, and I think some of the the issues that you're having, as far as story being kind of ponderous and and getting a little bit lost within it, I think a lot of that would have been straightened out with more time for Coppola to work on the script. Yeah, yeah. I I mean I I think that background you mentioned it, it does give some context to maybe why the story has its weak points. Yeah, I, and I think, uh, was Puzo involved in this? Yes, so Mario Puzo, well, he gets a writer's credit. I don't know if he was actually involved in the screenwriting aspect of it. I mean, mm-hmm. he might have gotten a credit for characters by it. It actually doesn't say here, so I'm, I'm guessing he was actually involved in it. Um, but six weeks is not a very long time to, and, and again, I would have to go even further back and research. Were they writing this from scratch? Because that's a... That's a pretty short window to write a script. And in terms of what I know about Coppola and his kind of style of, of writing and making movies, he's not a quick worker in terms of, you know, sussing out that script and the story. And in some cases, like Apocalypse Now, it's like the journey to make the movie is actually as much of a journey as the movie was itself in its story. Mm-hmm. So I, I kind of wonder how that works and, and how much different the script would have been, even if they'd kind of had the same story, if you give him a few more months to hash it out and to really hammer out the story and to hammer out the beats and to get to a point where he's like, okay, we, we don't need to talk about it this way. We can do this, this way and this way because you have that extra time. You start, you start discovering other options that you didn't, know we're there sometimes a, a deadline can be a benefit because it just forces you to get something done yeah. you know like well, i, I got to have it done by tomorrow so damn it this is good enough um but other times if you give a little bit more time you're working on a problem working on a problem and all of a sudden it just, all of a sudden just comes to you like oh yeah. wait no i didn't even think of that yeah. yeah we can do it this way so i'd, I'd like to have it would have been great to see how that actually would have influenced this story because the story itself I don't think is that flawed I think it's the execution of the story mm-hmm. in terms of you know how they figured they had to how how they figured they had to do it in order to get the job done 
I think the problem, yeah, and and I agree with you. I, I think the other problem I have though is it's it's too derivative of of the first movie. You know, the the the, the whole sequence at the end where you have kind of that that rehash of from Godfather one, where the heads of the five families are are getting knocked off by by Michael, you know, by by mm. Michael's uh, group now, and in three you have the same thing play out with these different characters. Like, especially like one of them is like Michael's sister gives essentially the uh, gentleman who, who apparently uh, is the traitor, you know, that, 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 you know, is, is working against Michael. Uh, he eats a poison cannoli at the opera house. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, really, this is how this guy goes. He just all of a sudden has hunger pangs and wants to have a cannoli in an opera house. This is how we do this. Really? You never know. That might have been his thing. Oh, like he likes opera. God. He likes a cannoli. It just and, feels, but it just felt so weird. Well, yeah, and that's some of the things I wonder. If you have more time, you start figuring it, yeah, out. Yeah. You you actually yeah. have the time to go back and be like, wait, this kind of feels like Godfather One. Wait, yeah. this kind of feels like something we did in Godfather Two. Whereas if you're just rushing to the end, you're like, yeah, 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 close enough. Yeah. You know. I mean, I I personally, I mean, I'm always someone who likes redemption style stories and that mm-hmm. is the one thing i kind of took away from three that i thought was a positive was i like the fact i mean if you don't do three and leave it as godfather just two as the last one in my mind at the end of that movie michael has even though he's retained his power he has fallen you know he, mm. he hasn't fallen in the way where he's lost ever you know lost everything materially but he has lost everything from a family perspective mm-hmm. you know what i mean he ha- he is now alone like that final shot is like one of the most perfect shots to end a movie on because that really represents that character he is alone yeah he has failed where his father was successful his father kept his power kept his family and did things in an honorable way. Michael did not. You spend time with your family? Sure I do. Good. Because a man that doesn't spend time with his family can never be a real man. That, that to me, would have been enough. When you go into three, I think it's the only story that can be told about Michael, which is now he is regretting and he's under, you know, like he, he is feeling remorse for the things that he's done. Mm. And I was telling you in our in our pre-production meeting, um, <laughs> as we shoot from the hip on this episode. Yeah. That, uh, you know, like like one of the scenes that really struck me was when he essentially confesses what he did to his brother Fredo to the priest and has this breakdown about it. You know, that like like to, to see the character, you know, in some ways it's, it's almost like if Godfather 2 was Michael losing his soul completely, Godfather 3 was him kind of regaining aspects of it. You know what I mean? Because he he's yeah. trying to, in his old age, atone as as you correctly said, atone for things he realizes he was wrong about, because he was in the midst of trying to hold on to his power, and I thought those those um, those scenes and and that story that I think Coppola was trying to tell was a good one, and and I don't know if maybe this director's cut kind of steers things more in that direction. You know what I mean? Like having yeah. it be more of a story of in his death, he was trying to, you know, essentially be, um, you know, tr- trying to bring the family to a place of, of not being in the mob anymore, of being legit, getting his family out of it, you know, kind of restoring his 
family as best he can and getting out and mm. in the end he 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 fails spectacularly and he ends up yeah. dying alone yeah so i you know i i i think the the poetic nature of where coppola was going i think works for three but like you said i i think you hit the nail on the head i think it's the execution of it is is what lacks greatly so it kind of sounds like you might be buying this uh, i'm a stronger buy on this than than i would be for rocky four yeah huh how about you i'm selling i and that, it's not because i i wouldn't be interested in possibly doing a compare and contrast but honestly i <laughs> My problems, I I feel, are are much deeper in terms of the story, how it was written, and like you say, it being a little bit ponderous. And also, I, Sophia Coppola just rubbed me wrong in this, and I just always <laughs> felt like, and and that's nothing again. I mean, I, I, she has had a fantastic career, so I mean, like she cares what some you know what some schlub on a podcast cares says about her. She has done real well for herself Mm -hmm. and doesn't really give two squats about what I think about her performance in Godfather Part 3 when she wasn't an actress to start out with. And and it really was kind of a fill-in thing. Like, I guess Winona Ryder was supposed to be that, that character and then she had to bow out because she was like like diagnosed with literal exhaustion by a doctor and was like yeah. yeah you can't do this and then Sofia Coppola came in and played the part although i guess Madonna had really wanted to play this part and had lobbied hardcore for it which god only knows what that movie would have been like but it couldn't have been any worse so you know through no fault of her own that she was just such a negative in terms of of acting like it's like everybody else seemed like they were they were fairly in character and then whenever she came on it was just this black hole that just sucked all the charisma out of anybody else who was in her vicinity yeah. and i'm like eh, i don't know how you how you correct that with just adding in some extra footage and shuffling things around maybe it maybe it'll work maybe it will but i right now i just i feel like my my problems are not going to be fixed by shuffling around some footage yeah uh, just as a point of interest, Julia yes. Roberts was originally cast as Mary, but dropped out due to scheduling conflicts. No way. Madonna wanted to play the role, but Coppola felt she was too old for the part. This Which, one's yeah. kind of, Go ahead. 1989, 1990, yeah. Yep. I could see that. This one's a little eerie, and I don't know if you remember this name. Rebecca Schaefer was set to audition, but was murdered. Mm. Do you remember mm. that she was the actress? Um, who was the actress from Mork and Mindy who played Mindy? Um, oh, I gosh, I don't know. But you know who I'm talking about, right? Yeah, yeah. She was doing that show. She was doing another like sitcom like show with Rebecca Schaefer. That's the actress who got killed. Wow. Yeah. So she was supposed to do it. Then Winona Ryder, as you just mentioned, dropped out of the film at the last minute due to nervous exhaustion, and so then Sophia was called up from the bench. <laughs> yeah. So and and. And something else I didn't realize, and and this is an interesting little bit of trivia. This was released uh, Christmas Day, nineteen ninety, which was only a couple of months after Goodfellas came along, which I think made made Godfather Three just feel that much worse because God Goodfellas just totally turned gangster movies, mafia movies on their head, and it was to this day is still one of the great. I mean, if I had to, if I had to pick a trilogy of, you know, mafia gangster movies, whatever, it's Godfather one, two, and Goodfellas, in some order, because I don't know that I could rank those three because Goodfellas is that great of a movie. Yeah, 
And so you come out a couple months after that, and everyone's like, oh, my gosh, another Coppola movie. This is going to be great. This is going to be great. Uh, uh, What? But I, um, uh, hmm, which is one of those things where I'm I'm like, how did Goodfellas not get the nod over Godfather 3? Yeah, I don't know. How? That's a miscarriage of justice right there. Yep. So you're a, you're a buy, I'm a sell. So right now we've got uh, you're you're a buyer on two, and I'm a buyer and a seller. So we'll see how this ends up playing out with a third one. I'm beginning to think if I should just sell on Rocky Four. I don't know. Being no, I'm, I'm being too lukewarm. Too late. Too, too late. Sorry, the the bell's already rung on that one. Too I'll late. The final. You change your 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 ratings for wrestling matches at the last minute. That's for wrestling. This is serious business here. Oh, good lord. <laughs> And besides, those were on Roman Reigns matches. You tell me if that was not justified. <laughs> Y'all, that's pro- you. that's provided for under under the uh, under the Geneva Convention. Oh, good. <laughs> Anyways, so the third movie is, and this is kind of we're going with two older movies, and now we're getting a movie that's getting this sort of treatment. So we had a 35 uh, year old movie, a 30 year old movie, and this movie's only three years old, and we're getting a recut after apparently there was. I think the, there was a theatrical cut, then there was an ultimate cut of Justice League, and now we're getting the Snyder cut uh, in 2021, whenever that might happen. I don't know. It's going to probably seem like another eight years between now and the end of 2020, so who knows if, who knows if we'll even be alive. It'll be cockroaches and Keith Richards watching this movie, and Betty White's going to be you know, making the popcorn. I don't know, but, uh, but this is happening. It is actually happening. Uh, so uh, Zack Snyder is getting the chance to go back and to re-get, uh, recut and, and redo Justice League, and it's going to be like 14 hours long or something. I have no idea. Uh, there's enough footage for this t- for it to become God only knows what. Uh, so this is going to be an interesting deal because apparently uh, the whole uh, Zack Snyder still maintains he's never seen the theatrical cut of this movie. Zack Snyder, of course, the original director on Justice League then had to leave the movie because of uh, uh, very tragic circumstances with his family. I believe it was one of his children passed away during filming. Um, and then Josh Whedon took over and uh, did Josh Whedon things, and nobody was happy. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and the movie came out, and it was a solid meh. And uh, then there was this ultimate cut, and then there's always been these persistent rumors of you know, Zack Snyder's cut of it and what his plans were and how oh it was going to be two movies or three movies at one point or something and it was it was going to be much more epic and all of that so apparently Zach let it slip at some point that he had the assembled cut of what he wanted the movie to be and he showed it to HBO executives and they were like alright here's a bunch of cash and this is the absurd part HBO Originally quoted, they were paying between twenty and thirty million dollars for the for the Snyder cut. So just the stuff he's doing now. Jeez. One exec was quoted as saying, "Yeah, it's no, it's it's upwards of thirty. There's no Lord. way it's less than that. So it's upwards of thirty million dollars for the Zack Snyder cut to bring that to fruition. After Justice League was, I mean, good Lord, how much was Justice League uh, to make?" Hang on. Let's let's see what. The, how much did it cost to make Justice League? In the how much did it cost for this turd to come out? Um, details. Blah 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 blah. blah. Three hundred million dollar estimated budget. 
and it was a it, the 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 U.S. gross was two hundred and twenty nine million. Oh, <laughs> cumulative worldwide gross was uh, six hundred and fifty seven, almost six hundred and fifty eight million. But still, that's uh, that's peanuts compared to an Avengers movie. Jeez. Black Black Panther lifts its leg on Justice League. I mean, good lord! Wow. So thirty million dollars for the Zacks just for the Snyder cut, which we we did a little research in our pre-production meeting. Thirty million dollars was the budget for Rocky Four. Mm-hmm. So in 1985 dollars, you could make a pretty big movie. You could pay Stallone, Carl Weathers. Uh, um, oh my gosh, what was the what was Stallone's girlfriend? Who was who was oh, the Bridget Russian? Oh, Bridget Nielsen. Yes, you can get her in that. You can get you can get Polly all of the, and a robot for thirty million. Um, but thirty million now gets you some effects shots and some restoring, and I, God only knows what else. I mean, yeah. oh. Yeah. So what do you think? I've talked long enough about this. What do you think about this? Um, you know, in in past episodes, I, you know, we've we've discussed our opinions on. Justice League without having another director's cut, just just the 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 problems that have plagued DC as a whole. Mm. I don't think this is going to fix any of that. Um, maybe for the diehard fans who were who have been you know hoping for something that would have been you know more to what they they were expecting. That this this is something that will be good for them um, mm-hmm. because even from the very beginning, I I have heard about you know, Snyder's vision of the movie and how it would have been totally different and so on and so forth. And, um, but I just don't have a dog in the DC fight at all. I, I really see them as Marvel light and, and that's even being generous saying that. Um, mm. because again, I, what, what I penalize DC or the, the ones producing the DC films the most with is the lack of proper storytelling to get themselves to this point. Um, th- yeah. th- this to me is, is, is just a gimmick to, to sell and, and to take advantage of a time period when comic book movies are, are the thing and they haven't invested the time in the same way Marvel has. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, you don't see them going back and doing this with Avengers because it was done not just in a quality way by the people who worked on it, but it was done because the, the proper storytelling had been done to set up a two-part epic that those two movies became. You know, Avengers mm-hmm. Infinity War and Avengers Endgame. Those two movies, we have said time and again, would not have done as well as they did had they not had the preceding storytelling at a smaller level for each of the characters a- as it was done. And I think yeah. that's the main problem here. So, I, you know, it's fine they want to do this cut. I, I you know... HBO paid $200 million uh, a couple of years back to, to kick off the show called Vinyl that I was kind of getting into. Um, mm-hmm. It's about the record industry in the 70s, and they took a bath on that. So apparently they have a lot of money to spend. <laughs> so <laughs> HBO, I mean, well, that Game of Thrones money. Uh, I know. I know. You know, that's, that's some cashola. And, I mean, for, for all of the things that, you know, HBO might have – done wrong i mean they still uh, they still get a huge number of eyeballs because they put out some quality stuff i mean westworld mm-hmm. say what you want about it at least the first two seasons everybody's you know first season everybody liked yeah. and and Watchmen, and you know boardwalk empire before that and the sopranos game of thrones i mean they've uh, they've done some good work so yeah yeah i guess every so often you misfire but damn 200 million dollars for that 
Well, well, because because part of it was paying all of the musical rights. <gasps> oh, for, yeah. Because for, they they were pulling in music from a bunch of different bands, and they had to pay out all these rights for, um, you know, being able to use the music in the show. And the sad part is the actual musicians got like pennies on the dollar. Probably, yeah. Some executive got a new boat. Yeah. So, uh, you know, for for this, um, I'm kind of a sell on principle because I'm just uh, I, I'm just not in in the DC kind of mindset. But what what are your thoughts, sir? Because uh, you're you're a little bit you're out of the two of us. I think you're a little bit more into the comic realm, and and I think you've seen. I mean, you've actually seen some of these movies. I have seen none of them. Um, mm. So I, I I don't know what your thoughts are on this sort of maneuver. I I'm a weak buy uh, because I basically consider this a penny stock type situation mm. where, I mean it's 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 a worth about as little as it possibly can be. <laughs> Justice League was a craptastic movie. It can't. It, I don't know how you could make it worse. Yeah. Yeah. It was it was that bad and disjointed and and I don't think you can solve. M- most of the problems with this but the problem the the thing is in a weird way batman v superman <laughs> don't get me started on that <sighs> they all <laughs> and they as well they should and uh, actually took the heat a little bit for this because that one as as poorly set up as as justice league was and it was batman v superman was even more, I would even argue even more poorly set up because you had a brand new Batman, you had a brand new uh, Wonder Woman, you had, uh, you know, brand new everything, and mm. you tried to set it all up in one movie and then bridge from there to Justice League. So you're trying to bridge from one movie, Man of Steel, to Justice League in one movie. I think Batman v Superman kind of took a little bit of the heat off. So it seemed, you know, you get to Justice League and you're like, yeah, 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 the stu- the setup was craptastic. We know that going in. Like, there's no question. Absolutely none. Mm-hmm. And so then it kind of, it lets you go, well, okay, I guess I'll just watch it to watch it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but even in that context, it was still half-baked and, and, and messed up and, and felt weird and disjointed. And, this, and the, the effects were just piss poor, which is one of the things I, I cannot figure out about DC movies, because it's not like they're producing these things, you know, out of some shed in the backyard. It, it, Warner Brothers has got cash, they make big movies, and yet the effect shots in, 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 in Batman v Superman, Justice League, even Aquaman, uh, Wonder Woman is the one that actually kind of looks like it was done properly, mm. but even then, it's it's kind of this DC style that maybe that's part of it. Like, it's just like such obvious effects yeah. that it kind of makes me go. It pulls me out of the of the story. So I don't know how how much worse it can get. I don't know how much better it can get. But if it's like worth almost like you know, if I can pick it up at a nickel a share, eh, why not? I mean, yeah, what's going to happen? I lose five bucks on 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 you know the very little I bought and go, oh well, that sucked. <laughs> I mean, there's nowhere to go but up with this. And I actually think that unlike Godfather Three, I think you can fix some of the problems. I think you could actually expand on that. And it sounds like without any reshoots. And you're still managing to get this movie at like it's clocking in around four hours. I mean, the original cut of this, the theatrical cut, is two hours. Hmm. 
So obviously Snyder shot a ton of footage, and then you know they, I, I guess Joss Whedon didn't shoot enough to get the directing credit because apparently you have to have a certain percentage in order to get the director's credit. That's what happened on Superman Two, with a uh, with Richard Donner, where he made the movie and then he quit at some point and then they brought in the other director and they had to reshoot a certain percentage of footage so that that guy would get the credit over Donner. Hmm. And so uh, Joss Whedon, I don't think got a, he's not listed as a director on IMDb or um, so he, he gets a credit somewhere along the way, but he didn't shoot that much. So Zack Snyder still shot a ton of footage Hmm. that apparently just never made it in. So I don't know, maybe there is a way to make this thing less stupid than it was. Yeah. Yeah. And hey, with nowhere to go but up, I'll I'll give it a watch. I mean, granted, I'm I'm already hooked onto HBO Max. I mean, yeah, it's it's going to cost me nothing, unless of course they want to do like the the watch on demand thing, and then it's like, <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, yeah, no. If you think I'm paying thirty bucks for this, no, I paid thirty dollars for Mulan, and you know, even that was like. I was trying to find a, find a way to tell my daughter that, uh, you know, oh, well, the Disney app just isn't working. Sorry. Uh, which is, you know, don't get mad at me. I just didn't want to pay 30 bucks. <laughs> it was actually not bad. <laughs> Anyways, my, my, my poor parenting and cheapness all comes out at once. Sorry. Yeah, so I'm buying a very weak buy, very a penny stock buy, if you will. So we're kind of at a push overall because I had a weak buy on Rocky Four. I had a stronger buy on Godfather 3 and I had a sell on Justice League. You had a strong buy on Rocky 4, a sell on Godfather 3 and a weak on a weak buy on Justice League. And you know what that means? You and me bike racks tomorrow at 3. You and the bike racks. I don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> I never got into a fight in school, but I always I always heard that's where the fights were, which And, and for 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 the listeners, the context for this is about a week ago <laughs> on Facebook Todd throws up something onto Facebook. I don't even remember what it was, but it was, it was a very a, strong statement about something. And he's like, if you disagree, I'll see you after school at the bike racks. And and then everyone after that, it's like, we're going to be seeing you at the bike racks. Yeah, it was going to be like one on eight. Like I'm, I was, I, it was like, just a lot of entertainment I'm still regretting this decision. I'm going to get my ass handed to me at the bike racks. What, what exactly was the strong statement about again? Could you remind me? It was just a it was a video that I posted that I really liked the song and I'm like if you don't like this, you know, I'll fight you. And a lot of people are like, "Okay." Like, Damn. <laughs> you see, it's better be like the movies where they at least come at me one one at a time. You see, Uncle Todd, you, you got to be careful. There's a lot of angst built up during quarantine time. So you well, <laughs> you throw the punching bag out there, they're going to take it, baby. Well, the good thing is that everyone has to stay six feet apart. So we have to do like West Side Story kind of like dance fighting because you can't actually get, <laughs> And you know what? Oh, I got some. No, I, I have got no moves, so I'd even be screwed in that sense. <laughs> <laughs> Todd will be in the duck and cover. <laughs> and, and and I mean, getting up there in years, I have limited flexibility. Like my pliability is not is not nearly at the level of Tom Brady. So I'd be I'd go into one of those moves and be like, oh my back, oh my knee, oh oh I'm hurt, oh my neck, my back, my neck and my back. I, so. I, I have this visual, so so I, I, I forget what year this was, but... I want 150000 uh, One of the... Uh, of course, this all comes back to wrestling. But we can set out of court right now for 20 bucks. One of the Summer Slams in the... two I think it was during the 2000s. It was Shawn Michaels and Hulk Hogan. And, and Michaels was going full-on heel in this, and he was doing these promos where he was making fun of Hogan and 
you know, his his he was trying to bring out some of the backstage stuff about Hogan's selfishness and this sort of thing. And he did this mm-hmm. one thing with like a CNN, like bad Larry King impersonator. And yes. He, and he's dressed, you know where I'm going with this? He's dressed up. Yeah, I remember po- that. Post yeah. a link to this in the show notes because this is hysterical. But he at one point, Michaels is dressed up as Hogan, gets up, and he starts doing all the Hogan poses. So if you know Hulk Hogan, he always does these flexing poses at the end of all of his victories uh, You know, during his heyday. And he goes to do one of them, and, then all, and immediately he just grabs his back. He's like, oh, my back, my back. When you said that <laughs> about not being pliable, I can just see you throwing a punch and be like, oh, my back. Yeah, and actually, it wasn't that the match where then uh, it was decided that Hogan was going to beat Michaels. Hogan and wanted Michaels, to go over like a dude. Yeah, and and, and and Michaels retaliated by overselling everything to like the point of ridiculousness oh, to just like show him up. It was like, every time like Hogan looked at him, he would flop. It was it was like the flare flop for for the entire match. That that to me is one of the reasons why I I, I would put I, I know Flair is re- revered as as the goat by. A lot of, you know, a lot of the wrestlers that that wrestled during his time and 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 after, you know, he he hung it up. But Michaels to me is the goat because he put on a clinic of just like you just said, like overselling mm-hmm. uh, to 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 the point of just absolute, like just turning it into complete satire. Oh, it was farce, is what it was. It, I mean, it, yeah. it was it was so funny to see a man who prides himself on strong work ethic and great matches, and he goes in there and he makes it look completely ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, when he took the big boot from Hogan, he didn't just go down. He got up, swung his fists in, in the air, and then flipped and fell down again. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it was so ridiculous. Oh, my god. He was gosh. doing, like, Fred Sanford air punches. Yeah, it was... <laughs> But but then again, that is part oh. of the reason why a lot of people won't give Shawn Michaels that nod is because he is such a d bag. Well, yeah, I mean, th- this what, what what stunk about that? Now, granted, he he actually has he actually had a legit beef here, but I'm talking about a lot of the other stuff. Well, that that's comes what I was going to say. I mean, the unfortunate thing is this happened when he was on the other side of that. You know, when he had kind of turned his his attitude around and his life around in in a lot of ways and. He was more humble, and I think this was one of these things where he just—I—I I, I mean, to his credit, if this had happened pre two thousands, I think Michaels the wrestler would have walked out and not even performed. You know, I, mm. I think he would have thrown a fit, and he wouldn't have done—he wouldn't have done it, and it would have turned into a mess. At least this one went out there. This version of himself went out there and at least did the work, but he did it in his own artsy kind of way. You know, and yeah, and. and he he made his statement in in a way that only he could. No, I don't think anyone else could have done that. So yeah, we went way off on a tangent. Sorry, but when you started <laughs> saying about not being pliable, I just had that vision of him doing that promo where he's flexing, and then he's like, "Oh my back." <laughs> and speaking of pliability, oh uh, man, Tom Tom Brady uh, got his first loss as a Tampa Bay Buccaneer today, didn't he? I believe so. Um, and and Cam he, Newton got his first win as a Patriots quarterback. So he, there's he, he, it all Brent comes back to pliability. He, he did. Uh, Newton rushed for seventy five yards all last season. Brady rushed for thirty four. So, <laughs> well, apparently, and I read this little thing, and and again, we'll, we will actually talk about something. Well, no, we are we're, we are talking about something different. But apparently, Brady never rushed for more than. I want to say 38 yards, 31 yards in a game, something like that. Mm-hmm. 
And so, and and I think that was the only time he ever rushed for more than like twenty some odd yards in a game. Was that one time that he managed to get into the thirty yard range? And here's you know, first game Newton's out there with like thirteen out of the plays being like designed runs, and, and rushes for seventy five yards, two touchdowns. I mean, sheesh. it's wow. it's a it's a new day in Foxborough, ladies and gentlemen. It's a new gentlemen. day. Yep. And another thing. All right, so uh, what do you got for and another thing this week, sir? So my and another thing uh, is is a little bit of uh, entertainment, a little bit of joy uh, to to just kind of call out to uh, the peoples. Um, I stumbled upon this uh, about a month ago. I, I think a lot of people stumbled upon it about a month ago. The, the these two guys became pretty popular um, mm. based on uh, a, a reaction they did to Phil Collins. Uh, version of in the air phil collins version he is the one who's good i was gonna say he, he wrote the song yeah sorry my, <laughs> my my goofiness but but the youtube channel is called twins the new trend a lot of the titles to their to their video clips are first time hearing and i you know some title to a song but but it's i, I i'm assuming based on the the youtube channel title that these are are, are twin brothers um who basically are recording their reactions to listening two songs that they have not heard before. So In the Air Tonight by Phil Collins, uh, Message in a Bottle by The Police is another one that I saw. Um, there's a like Rob Bass, um, what's that song from the 80s that was played at every single junior high dance we probably went to? Like uh, I, think, uh, I think It Takes Two. It Takes Two. Yes. You know that one? Yes. Oh, yeah. And so, That's old school. So they're, they're listening to these songs. I mean, what, what I appreciate is that every single time they, they listen to them, they're they're being positive about it, you know, like like mm-hmm. they they haven't heard these songs before. They're reacting to what they're hearing, and everything they're reacting to, they're being, you know, positive and and you know they may not love everything about it, but they're not trashing it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it, it's just it's just fun, you know. I, I I think one of the reasons the Phil Collins one became such a, a a thing at the time was just because that song just has that iconic that that, that iconic drum beat that, that oh the comes drum in. fill is is. Oh yeah, towards it's, the end, and, the and watching is, them react to yeah. it was so funny. I mean, they just oh yeah, and they loved it. They loved it. You know what I mean? And oh yeah. So you know, it, it's just a little bit of of fun. Um, you know, if you're looking for for uh, for something to to waste five to seven minutes on, just to get a chuckle or or to you know see a couple of kids, uh, some some youth, uh, kind of appreciate music from 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 our past thirty some odd years ago. Um, yeah, Jeez. you know they 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 listen to recent stuff. They 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 listen to uh, you know stuff from the past. Like I said, uh, one of them I listened to. They they listened to a George Carlin bit, which was kind of funny. Nice. Um, yeah. So so it's it's just it's you know during a time where you know there, there's a lot of stuff going on out there. Um, that's not so joyful and not so positive. The, I, I feel like these these two are bringing a bit of positivity and joy into the world through through just listening to music and just kind of posting their reactions to it. So, uh, j- just a little just a little something fun uh, if 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 you're looking for it. So, Twins: nice. The New Trend is the YouTube channel. Enjoy, and so, you, my friend. So, two things here before we move on to mine and another thing. Yes. In the air tonight was off the album Face Value. Mm-hmm. Was released in 1981. It turns 40 next year. <laughs> Getting old, brother. 
Oh, I just aged in dog years. Like I, pretty sure I just, (laughs) I just developed arthritis in a hip when I just said that. (laughs) Um, And the other thing is, I love the in the air uh, drum fill because Mm -hmm. it is like so amazingly simple. Yes, I could play it. That's how simple it is, and I ain't a drummer, and I know I don't play one on TV, the internet, or anywhere else, and I could do it, but it's so powerful because it, there is not a time in history when that song has not been played somewhere where people don't go bonkers when that kicks in, and it's because of the tension that's built up in the song. But I mean, when Phil Collins was on the the Tonight Show, and he was he did that song, and of course the Roots are backing him up, mm-hmm. and Questlove for those of you who don't know, is the drummer for The Roots and is one of like the coolest people on the planet and so knowledgeable about music and, and so many other subjects too. Like the dude is just a, a kind of a renaissance sort of dude. Like he, he is well-versed in a lot of different things. But in music in particular, he, he knows a lot and he's done a lot and he's played a lot and, and has had a great career. Watching him get to play the In the Air Tonight drum fill was amazing because number one Questlove can take like a little tiny drum kit that like some junior high kid would have and he can make it sound just gigantic it's just how he plays he can make something sound huge Mm -hmm. but just doing that drum fill exactly the way that Phil Collins played it for that album almost 40 years ago just that da 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 and afterwards the smile on his face was a mile wide, dude, because mm-hmm. he was just like, I just did the thing, and there's the guy who did the thing, and he's singing it, and I got to do the thing with the guy who did the thing originally right there, and I did the thing, I did the thing, I did. And he was just so happy, and I'm like, if that dude got off on that that much, I mean, come on, there's just something about that that like he managed to hit this thing in our musical DNA mm-hmm. that's like there's this tuning fork in you that you just can't help but go yes when that happens. Oh, it's it's. I love that. I just love yeah. that. I love everything about it. I love that video with those with those with those kids. I love the original song Quest Love doing it. Yeah. yeah. Some drunk guy in a bar doing it. It's it's always great. And what is yours? Mine another thing is uh, a new song by Corey Henry and the Funk Apostles. Mm. Uh, it's a song called Rise and uh, if you uh, if you when you listen to this song, I just want to let you all know I'm going to give you a warning right now. Make sure that you have your the area around your stereo or around your desk secure reinforced this is some heavy duty funk this is some good stuff Corey henry is a is a is a keyboard player uh plays a lot of hammond b3 amazing singer has uh, used to be uh was part of uh snarky puppy and uh just oh my gosh the dude is just amazing i got to see him in portland uh i want to say two years ago now nice and just a phenomenal show just a phenomenal show because every time he would finish a song i turned to my friend who was with me i'm like where does he go from that yeah like how do you how do you top that last song that he just did and then he would and they and the whole band is amazing just a great band this song in particular is just great i I, i'm not even going to describe it to you because i would fail miserably just go listen to it if you're not moving if you don't feel a little something shaking you you might want to just get yourself to urgent care because something might be wrong. Well, I I, I, I just want to let you know, as we talked about, I have had you know fifty plus days without incident. I listened to this song on Friday, and I I think my desk jumped a little. <laughs> 
That's what I like to hear. I, th- I, I, I think I think my monitors were trembling a little bit. <laughs> Oh, that, I I can concur. I can concur, my friend. Oh my mm-hmm. goodness, the, the, the heavy funk was being brought on that one, my friend. That is some good stuff. Oh, so y'all need fantastic. to get y'all need to go and check out that new song "Rise" by Corey Henry and the Funk Apostles. And then uh, they actually have a brand new live out uh, live album out called "Art of Love," which was recorded live in L.A. It's a that was released earlier this year. Oh man, just phenomenal mm-hmm. uh, it doesn't have it doesn't have this new song on it but it has a another song one of his other songs uh, love will find a way but it's like an 11 and a half minute version of that song which oh, is yeah. awesome and, but then the album finishes out with the same song that he finished out when i saw him and he does a cover of prince's controversy which wow was freaking nuts to see live and it's just as good on 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 the album uh, so check out both of those check out rise and then check out uh his live album and uh yeah you will not be sorry nice nice so thank you all very much for for tuning in for listening to us be sure to subscribe to us here uh you can subscribe to us on podbean we're on apple Podcasts. we're also on spotify uh you can go to freerangeadc.com you can find all of our episodes listed out there you can also follow us on the social medias for all kinds of updates and mayhem there we are on facebook instagram and twitter at freerangeadc on all of those platforms if you have any questions concerns outright bribes or if you have a subject that you'd like us to talk about or a question you'd like answered on the show, be sure to send all of those to Tim at freerangeidiocy.com. Mm-hmm. And uh, now we come to the very end of the show where at this point, Lord, we've made it through this much. If you've made it far- this far, you know, God bless you. Get yourself a drink. You deserve it. Uh, and and I turn to Tim and I, I, I ask the man who is is my life coach. Um <laughs> Oh, good which lord! Is, <laughs> which is part of, part of the reason I'm going nowhere quick. Uh, <laughs> Jeez, <laughs> putting a lot of pressure seems, on me now. <laughs> he seems to be doing very well, but isn't passing any of that information along to me. I zig when you should zag. <laughs> <laughs> Just do the opposite of everything that you think you're going to do. And, it's the Costanza uh, principle. Come on. If if I just Costanza this whole thing, I'd be in much better shape. <laughs> I turn to Tim and I say, Tim, what have we learned? This episode? Well, I think we've seen that, that, that no piece of creative art is ever completely finished. <laughs> that there's always there's enough, room to improve, enough check apparently. somewhere. No, no. If you, as long as someone's willing to write the check, oh, I can, I can open that back up. Yeah, sure. Sure, why I know not? It's dead and, I know it's dead and buried. I'll dig that coffin up and pry that sucker open. Yeah, let's do it. We'll tack another five minutes James Brown on. Why not? <laughs> oh, people, <laughs> people will pay for that. Good God, y'all. The man was on fire when he recorded that. <laughs> For crying out loud. Oh, my goodness. I, I, I simply think that the this sort of thing, the whether it's the Snyder cut, the director's cut, the... The Stallone cut. The Stallone cut, the scissor cut, the knife cut, the... <laughs> Tire cut. I mean, paper cut. The, <laughs> whatever, Dude, whatever cut we want to call cut. it. You ever get? You ever got like the cardboard cut, which is like oh. it's like the the bastard cousin of the of the paper cut. That it's like hurts. ten times worse. Yes. It's like every piece of cardboard is soaked in lemon juice. Uh-huh. Oh, not good. Oh, but, I get the willies just thinking about it. But oh. but you know, in 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 some cases it's a good thing. In other cases, eh, why bother? <laughs> But, 
But as we've discussed tonight, there there are some uh, potentially interesting things to check out there. So so have at it. If if you've not seen Rocky Four, hold on tight. If you've not seen Godfather Three, well, there's three hours of your life you have. Um, <laughs> and then for Justice League, it's whatever the runtime on that one is. At least you have that life to spend on something a little bit more, you know. Yeah. Uh, but anyways. As always, as as we uh, like to close things out, uh, be good to one another. Uh, th- th- you know, put think of someone else this week. Put someone before yourself. Show a little, little love that way. Pay it forward. Be healthy. Be safe. And uh, as as we like to close out the show, you know, Uncle Todd needs to put a diving board on that pool. So please, <laughs> please, we beg of you, hit the lights on the way out. I can take the wrong week to quit drinking. What did you say? Damn! You're such a disappointing pair. I prayed so hard for you. Get out. And don't come back until you've redeemed yourselves. So say we all. So say we all. I mean, that really got out of hand fast. I need to drain that mofo. That's what I need to do. <laughs> starting to become the ultimate leaf collector at this point. <laughs> well, my, my, the family keeps on having this illusion that we're going to go back in. I'm like, the temperature isn't getting up above 70, okay? <laughs> like, oh, no, it's 75. It's plenty warm. I'm like, that water's been sitting at like 60 degrees for three days. You go, you first. You first. You hop right in there. Oh my gosh, that's awesome! See how you're not even gonna you're not even gonna <laughs> use the ladder to get out. You're gonna hop right out. You're gonna develop a five foot ger- vertical leap. <laughs> <laughs> oh freeze my you. Go gosh. ahead, you go ahead and freeze your Twinkies off. I'm not doing it. <laughs> I'll watch. Oh, I'll be out here. Gosh, nice and dry and warm. That's right.